Before we get started, I want to tell you about my experience with Own It Fitness. Own It Fitness is a place that helped me discover my fitness goals. They did a full evaluation of my physical condition, and they set out a plan for me to be able to meet my goals. And on top of that, they found a way to be able to work with my busy schedule. And they can do that for you as well. Own It Fitness is the perfect place for professionals to find the friends that they need to help them meet their physical goals. If you're looking for a place that can help you, if you're looking for a place that's friendly and a place that will help you confidently meet the physical goals that you have for yourself, then check out Own It Fitness. They're on the corner of Mallory and Blakeow. This episode has been brought to you by Fremont Bank. Fremont Bank has been serving people and businesses in our community for over 60 years. For more information about the Fremont Bank, check out episode 104 on the Fremont Podcast. This episode has also been brought to you by Minutemen Press. If you are looking for design or printing needs, reach out to them. Let them know you heard about them on the Fremont Podcast. They'll give you 20% off on your first order. Banter Bookshop is your local go-to for all your reading resources. If they don't have it on the shelf, you can ask them and they can order it for you. Check them out on Capitol Avenue. Let them know that you heard about them on the Fremont Podcast. If you are looking to buy or sell a home, check out Petroselli Homes on Niles Boulevard. You show that um, connection to the player even if you're not very good at it, you still want to play. Yeah. Because you can see that someone is invested in you. That's great. And someone has built that connection with you, no matter, and they don't judge you based on, you're a good player, so you're going to start, you're my favorite. Mm. They see you as, as an equal amongst yeah. everyone else. But the art of coaching then is to get into every individual within the team to positively affect them in, whether it's their physical ability, psychosocial, technical, tactical. And so that's why the team outcome Yeah isn't relevant but at the same time we all have to win right right so it's that coming to you straight from fremont california this is the fremont podcast dedicated to telling the stories of the past and present of the people and places of the city of fremont one conversation at a time they only had one lane open for half the day yesterday and then it seemed like they were like you know this is not a smart idea or they just said let's fix it and uh, now it's probably going to be closed for whole months. I don't know how long it'll take to fix it. Yeah. It's always fun to see what's for sale. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's nice of Jennifer to let us yeah. do our meetings here. Yeah. It's a cool space. It's very, uh, very homey. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah, I did one interview in here, and it was over here. So how do you set up? I did set the video up this time. I just kind of wanted to get a, a, a kind of a layout. I wanted to have one experience to see how it would work. So, do so you like set I moved this chair. Oh, okay. I moved this chair over to here. Nice. I actually had set my uh, computer and stuff up on the table here, and then basically we just had a conversation here between the two of us. So. It was nice. Uh, it worked fine. Yeah, um, you have like the plugs. It's very yeah. cozy. But I've got a guy who owns a um, uh, an acoustic uh, treatment uh, business. It, he's actually got acoustic panels, oh. big acoustic panels that he's given me for um, you. I told him what I needed to do and how to set up 
a portable treatment, a portable setup so they could have the treatment. But then, um, so I'm going to try to set it up to where there's like uh, panels here and maybe even panels there and panels here. Okay. Um, so and so then to kind of create a little space in here. Then you're also on display, yeah. which is, yeah. which means uh, people will be going like, what's that? Right. You could literally put a sign, much like these signs here. You could put a sign oh, that says, cool. now recording the free <laughs> podcast. Oh, like that. That's a cool yeah. idea. For the, for the high traffic that this end of Niles gets. <laughs> yeah, I think there was like two people that walked by here when we were recording the one that we did. So, and um, you know, it's literally across the street from where we produce our other podcast. That's right. That's right. It's across the street from the Flying, the Flying A, A, where the cast of Niles podcast That's right. is recorded. We do that right in the lobby. You're listening to episode 107 of the Fremont Podcast. Now, here's your host, Ricky B. I'll check the levels here to make sure everything's good, and then we'll jump into it. Uh, so the, na- um, the name is Di. Yeah, that's right. Di Redwood. Yeah. Interesting. It's Welsh for David. Okay. Like oh, a, it's like you know, like how you have Tom for Thomas. Yes. So it's like the shortened version, but okay. it's the Welsh way of shortening. So instead of Dave, die. Oh, that's interesting. I think we're good to go. This looks good, sure. and um, I may still keep adjusting some things here. But um, I am pleased to be joined by Die Redwood. Um, you are uh, executive director. The, the Fremont Soccer Club has been around for a little while, you said, yeah. right? Yeah. A couple the, name changes. So yeah, we, okay. We did get the right ones. So that's good. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, and then how long have you played soccer? Like, what, what, what's your soccer story? So, I'm, I started playing when I was six. Um, bit different back home, small town. So, we just went to the local sports hall. And by that, I mean, like, old school Swedish gymnasium kind of freezing cold hall. Yep. Uh, the goals were just one of those long wooden benches you flipped over. You played with an indoor ball, and it was just anyone come, anyone plays. So, huh. and from that age back then, it was still eleven aside at six years old. So the fields weren't as big, okay, slightly smaller, but not like what you see today. Yeah, and you just have these six year olds running around, I have no idea what they're doing, but it looked like soccer. <laughs> so it's. I played then for town was Puthcall Town. Okay. So played there all my mates from school and again it's just a small town. And w- in what country is this? In Wales. In Wales. In Wales okay. yeah. yes. Definitely not England as Wales. Yes. 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 <laughs> so, so, uh, so we grew up. You'd play with all the kids who were in your class in school. So you make great friendships through that because it was never never a trial, never evaluation. It was you want to play, you play. Played until I was sixteen. I was very much a late physical developer, so okay. it was very small. So the next step from U16 was to go into the men's. And again, that was back in, what, the 90s, late 90s? So for me, that was still when most of the game was just giving someone a good kick and putting up in the air. So being a small 16-year-old with 26, 27-year-olds, like, I'm not doing that. So played very little in college. It's our college experience back home is different to over here. It's not a great deal to play for college back home. You still make a team, but so I played one or two games okay. there. The focus more on martial arts and coaching. Okay. So stuff wow. from a young age. Wow, that's cool. I have a an important question to ask. Sure. Is it football or soccer? Oh, just football. Just football. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll slip between the two every now and then. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. No, I um before we started recording you you said football and I was like I was like, okay, this, you know, there's. I was curious. 
do you have a preference or is there i'm i'm wondering if like uh in like the in where you grew up the way you know wales or wherever is there um do they make fun of people that call it soccer they did but the funny part about this as well even though we call it football okay. and the welsh for it is peldroid but football is what we call it growing up the ironic thing is soccer comes from the uk shortened from association football which is the full full name of the sport huh so soccer originated from <laughs> england <laughs> is brought to the us use us and all all over the world but for some reason then back in the uk you kind of like turn your nose up and ever says ah oh, let's let's play soccer and like no 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 no, no. <laughs> so even though they made the word up themselves it's i don't know how it come around that way that's funny that's funny. Um, I want to go back to something you said about when you started playing uh, soccer when you were younger. Mm. Uh, you said it was a good uh, um, culture building or, or a community building mm. a- activity for you. Um, do, when, as you recall, like what are some of the things that were like beneficial for you at that age? Uh, I, I don't know if you can put your finger on them. Maybe you didn't even recognize them at the moment at that time but when you look back are there some things that were really help helpful and healthy for you um by playing soccer in that yeah, community re- reflecting back on it as you get like, like i said when you're in it as a six seven eight year old you have no idea you're just going out and playing yeah obviously learning more now through my education side of it as i'm becoming a coach you realize i got lucky that we didn't really have a coach we had one of the boys dads do it for the first to about 12 I think it was and then one of the boys grandmothers took over so we were allowed just to play there was no and even when we had the, the dad who was doing that even though he would set up like a drill it'd be 10 minutes it'd mm. be drill and okay boys play that's how we learned was through play which is what we now know is mm. far beneficial so reflecting back it's we had a good team a very creative skillful team and you can see by accident that's what we had yeah. because there's a very hands-off approach which made us also enjoy it. So most of the kids that were playing at six continued to play up until 16. Mm. And even now, another part of that is the friendships you make. Okay, school helps because we all went to the same school, but we still took different classes. We're still good mates now. So whenever I do get a chance to go back home, I go quite a a bit to be fair, but over the Christmas period, we still try and have a -a five-a-side game with the same people who played from when we were six. Oh my goodness. 34 years later wow so it's yeah it's, it's a great opportunity and it might be because it was a small community to begin with mm-hmm. but when you talk to other people that have similar experiences as well yeah there's those friendships and mm-hmm. not only that you learn to talk as well to adults because i always remember the dads on the side of the field and they weren't critical and shouting and screaming there was these <laughs> three guys who i always remember it was mike morgan's dad don evans's dad francis bynan's dad and it's like the Three Stooges. They always stood on the sideline, <laughs> arms folded, big jackets, it's freezing cold. They'll shout on, but nothing abusive or nasty. They'll never argue with people. Yeah. And that's where Die actually came from. Huh. They were the first ones to call me Die. Really? I really didn't like it. <laughs> I, I was fighting against it for so long. And then when I went to, to high school, comp as it is back home, yeah. I wanted more of that Welsh identity. So I was like, yeah, I actually like Die now. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, looking back, there's loads of different moments where I think, that's kind of affected where I am that's today, cool. but that's awesome. That, that's really cool. So, do you feel that that experience that you had is singular to like you or to your culture, your your the the locale, or the, even the time period, 
Or how do you see that as um, something that's taking place today in youth soccer? Like even whether it's here in Fremont or wherever you coach, is that something that you see um, across the board? Or maybe maybe talk about that just a moment. Yes, yeah, quite quite a loaded question, which okay. could send me on a rant in different directions. <laughs> and the parents who are listening to this, who receive my emails, will know that I can rant. So <laughs> it's. I think I think throughout Europe especially it's very cultural where you you're with your community. It's a probably a good example of me growing up as well. Where I grew up in Puthcall, you had local towns, Canelli, Kenfig Hill, um Pyle. A bit further out you had Patalba, Margam, but they're all within ten, fifteen minutes of driving. I would never play for any of those other towns ever. Hmm. So we would go seasons, double age bracket, but we pretty much play in our school year. So we'd be U10, but the younger half. So we would get hammered every game, 9, 10. We were, we were good players. Yeah. We were just smaller. Huh. I would never think of going and moving a club because we lost, because I was with my huh. mates. I was with, I didn't, and it's different. Some kids have close relationships with their coaches. Our coach, the dad, he's one of my best mates' dads. So I knew him anyway, but it wasn't yeah. I was staying there for him. The grandmother who took over, we all loved her. Just, we're the only team with a grandmother helping us out, and she would just open up the sports hall, and that was it. But I stayed there because I was with my mates, and it was because I was playing for Puth Call. Mm. I would never go play for Kenford or Connect. We would see those as as grudge matches almost. Like we we didn't want to be involved. We didn't want them even come into our town, kind mm. of thing. It's maybe it's because we we're Welsh and we're a small nation, but that's what it was like. But it's fairly similar throughout Europe as well. You play for your village. You play for your town. It's only the real high-level players that end up going off to these academies. They're not... I think when you see in the news a lot of time, like you see like Messi's picked up a certain ages, these other kids have picked up a certain ages. When you look, when you speak to the, the high-level academy coaches, only two players have ever really stood out as young elite players. Okay. And as Messi... And Wayne Rooney. Hmm. Those are two names that always come up. Wow. All the others, which you see that come to the top, they're late developers. Interesting. So you never look to move on unless you get by chance seen. And because of the structure of our home with the culture of you play for your town, there's always an opportunity to move once you're in adulthood, mm-hmm. whether it's your job takes you somewhere else mm. or you play in a cup competition. Yeah. And there's a great example of um, Jamie Vardy. He played lower level football, non-league football for ages, sorry, soccer for ages. Mm-hmm. And then he became, won the Premier League with Leicester, mm. England wow. International. So it's it's a different culture you see around the world um, from experiences throughout Europe, down in Argentina. Um, mm. It's different here. There seems more focus here on the outcome. So it's more looking to get that it's more it's it's the wing culture certainly and this is a discussion I have with parents quite a bit as well yeah. winning is not bad but yeah. Yeah. it's not our focus when you're a kid now yeah. when you're an adult yeah believe me I want to win if I'm playing my wife in Scrabble yeah. I will do whatever it takes to win I'll make up <laughs> words I'll hide the dictionary I'll do whatever it takes to win I hope she's listening win. to this she knows your, knows your ways oh yeah she's <laughs> she, she knows uh, I will do what it takes to win in those yeah, yeah. she's seen me play just pick up games as an adult and yeah. I'm like a different person. Yeah. But then when I'm with the kids, it's, no, this is what I need to do for the kids. I got to take my ego, my pride, my desire and want to win for me out of that. Mm. I've got to make it about the kids. Yeah. 
which you see is a bit of a struggle in the US because you do have a wing culture. Mm. So then a lot of education comes into it. Yeah. We'll be right back. You can hear the rest of this conversation in just a moment. Hello, Fremont. There's a great little book called The Small Mart Revolution by Michael H. Schumann, if you want to order it from Banter Bookshop. And the book talks about how small local businesses are actually better for the community and explains it in detail and genuinely goes through the numbers. It's also not a boring book either. It reveals why supporting small business actually makes good economic sense. And one of the major reasons why that's true, and you can read the book for the numbers, but study after study shows that the percentage of money that stays local when you spend local, the amount of money that gets looped back into the community when you buy from a small, local, independent place, a higher percentage of that money stays here in the local economy than it does if you buy at bigger, more national places. And that is true of this podcast. If you can help support this podcast with $1 a month through the buymeacoffee.com link that's in the show notes, more of that money is going to be spent here at local shops. The staff here likes spending money at local places. If you can afford $1 a month to keep this show running, we are going to put it back into the community as often as we can. Buymeacoffee.com slash the Fremont podcast slash membership. $1 a month. Thank you. And now, back to our conversation. That's great. Yeah, it's interesting. As you were talking about that, I kind of had this idea that maybe your community together, the people you were playing with, the people who were on the sidelines, the, you know, the people who were there, that was what really mattered the most. And it, it was what impacted the community, uh, impacted the sport itself versus, um, I, we want to focus on the sport and mastering the sport and we don't, and, and maybe eventually it'll turn into a community of sorts. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, definitely. It's, and again, back home, it's it's not just my age group which had mates coming through it. I worked in the local village pub as soon as I turned 18. Okay. And you'd see the different football teams from the different generations still being together. So you'd always see the football boys current, the football boys past, huh. and the football boys coming through. Huh. So it was it, it was always you were part of the community by being by playing for your town people did recognize you and and we're talking the lowest level of football possible yeah yeah. like someone still can't tie their shoes up in the late 20s but (laughs) it was still had the identity of you play for your town and that's what you wanted to do is for yourself Mm. the the town recognized you as well and it's something which we have tried to do with fremont was with the club so we we sponsored the the food bank the tri-city food bank okay yeah we recently um, started wearing save on the front of the goalkeeper jerseys. That's awesome. Um, a sadder one is a Rooney Foundation. You may have heard of a Rooney who passed. Yep. He played at the club. Wow. So now we huh. try our best to support that foundation. For me personally, that European um, obviously background, 
your community is important. Mm. So I, I think to have both working together it is something which we would love to see more. Right. That's awesome. be isolated than an isolated club within a town. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, so let me ask you this question, a little, little case scenario sort of thing. Um, so I, I'm going to jump real quick to uh, my past and a sport that I didn't do so well. And hmm. um, I, I tried playing baseball for uh, a couple years and I could never hit the ball. It was hmm. horrible. And so I, and that seemed to be the most exciting thing about it when you thought about sports. Um, but I, I, I didn't do well at it. So I only played for two years and then I just kind of gave it up and went on. I was already at that time playing soccer. Um, and, and I kind of just continued playing soccer. Hmm. Um, but I guess my question is if you have, um, you were talking about your team in Wales from your hometown, you were smaller, you weren't as good. I mean, it was like, um, it was likely that you had to come out swinging and, and, and working hard and you may even still lose after mm. all the hard work you put into a game like that. What is the benefits? What are the pros and cons of losing for a child? And what are the pros and cons that you see for somebody being successful and excelling at the, at the sport? These questions are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so many different tangents to go on different levels of it. It's I, again, this is coming back to some discussions with parents. You, you don't go out when when you're coaching the youth and you have a developmental model. It's it's process driven, so we're not looking at the outcome on a Saturday. That has that has no effect on what's going to happen in the future because mm. there are so many tangibles that's going to affect that. We don't know home life how that's going to affect a player psychosocially, friendship groups from schools. We don't know physically how they're going to mature because they haven't gone through the maturation yet. So what we try to explain is that the youth game is it's almost a different game to the adult game. You've got to separate them because hmm. that's where you want to that's where you want to get to. Sure. You're starting you at the beginning of your journey. It's like when you go out for a drive, right? You you start somewhere, it looks nothing like where you're going to end up. That's right. You're going to take a path to get there. You yep. might get lost a few times, break down. Yeah. Things are going to happen. Yeah. So when you lose, and, and it comes down to your coach as well, it's so it's so important with this part as well of the psychosocial support. Again, I'm going to do my best to go scientific and researchy, but it's okay to lose a game when you're younger. It's okay not to be on the best team because when the coaches invest in your your child as an individual they support them more holistically so i'm looking at and this is what we do as a club is we look at a player's along a pathway and everyone's going to develop at different rates think of stocks they go up they go down but they generally always go up mm -hmm. but they're at different rates mm. so we look at the individual well how does this individual now need to be challenged so if they're on a team that isn't winning then we would say okay well first of all is it detrimental to your growth more than likely not. Mm -hmm. How can we do individual interventions to support you within that game? Which then supports confidence. Because as long as you make that individual feel like they're competent, that's going to help support their confidence, whether the team wins or not. Because mm. then you can set them their own individual goals. That's great. And as long as then you show that, you show that um, connection to the player even if you're not very good at it, you still want to play. Yeah. Because you can see that someone has invested in you. That's great. And someone has built that connection with you, no matter, and they don't judge you based on, you're a good player, so you're going to start, you're my favorite. Hmm. They see you as, as an equal amongst yeah. everyone else. But the art of coaching then is to get into every individual 
within the team to positively affect them in whether it's their physical ability, psychosocial, technical, tactical. And so that's why the team outcome yeah. isn't relevant. But at the same time, we all love to win, right? Right. So it's that. <laughs> if you are looking to buy or sell your home, Look no further than Petroselli Homes. You can find out more about them at PetroselliHomes.com or pay Jennifer a visit in downtown Niles. Okay, okay, I'm stealing this one off of Yelp, but this is the whole point. Banter Bookshop in downtown Fremont. It has become a routine hangout spot for my family after we eat at nearby establishments. A thousand times yes. Going out to eat... Hanging out at a bookshop afterwards? It does not get better. Local independent bookstores are there to be community spaces. Their book selection is often hyper-tuned to the local community. It's a place to meet and to go to after you eat. They hold events. I literally typed in the word bookstore and community, and I immediately found two articles. The first article from 2018, guess what's anchoring many small downtowns? Even in the age of online shopping, the answer is bookstores. And another article from Strong Towns in 2019, how a local bookstore can make your town richer in more than one way. Banter Bookshop is on Capitol Avenue in downtown Fremont. I used to, co- I used to coach a 2002 boys team. Okay. And we went to, an, I won't name the club, I don't think that's fair, but we went to another club in a state cup game and we were we were winning 4-0 after 15 minutes. And so already, and it's something I believe in and we don't see it anymore, which is, is frustrating, you control a scoreline because yeah. you're going to demoralize these yeah. other kids and it's it's not right. Yeah. So anyway, so we do our own little games and by halftime, it's 6-0. For the last 10 minutes of the first half, we haven't lost possession. The ball's just staying in play. It doesn't even go up for throw-ins or corners, nothing. It's just cycling possession. It's so boring. Yeah. And the players come off and they're bored. They're asking, can we go home? Can we just stop? And I'm, I'm bored because yeah. no one's been challenged in this environment. Yeah. So halftime, I'm like, oh, look, you, anyone want to go in goal? Because the keeper's now bored. One, one guy who's a very good goalkeeper as well was a position. He's like, yeah, I'll go and go. All right, yeah, go on, you go and go. And they all go back out. And we lost 7-6. <laughs> it was, and I love going back to this game. And the re- <laughs> But the reason we lost 7-6, because we didn't, the players didn't get worse. Yeah. The other team didn't get better. Yeah. Psychologically, because I think we were U12 at the time, we were bored. Huh. We completely checked out of it. Huh. Which is why the outcome of that game shows we lost 7-6. But the first 10 minutes was where this is the quality, the understanding, the development that's going on in their individuality and group ability. Yeah. But then psychosocially being 11 years old, it was boring. We don't want to do it. Yeah. And even every time a goal went in, they were gone. You couldn't. They they don't know. So that's a great example I always think to go back to of, look, that outcome had no reflection to kids because a lot of those kids did go on to play college. Yeah, the one, the one player I just mentioned is now an All American. Wow. got his award last week. Wow. Um, they're an exceptionally talented group of kids who went on to play at a, a good level with a club, high level of club. Wow! So it's don't worry about the outcome. If you like baseball and you can't hit the ball, but you love going out and swinging out anyway, yeah, just keep going. That's cool because you'll play then when you're older. 
Yeah, I actually um, was, uh, I, I'd said this on another interview we did with uh, a local baseball league that plays here in Fremont. Hmm. Um, but I just, I said, you know, I, I, as I got older, I didn't even want to play softball because I just I had this idea that I couldn't hit the ball. And, and I did, I, first time I, first couple of times I tried playing base or softball as an adult, I struck out and I was just like, this is stupid. I'm so embarrassed. Um, but then, then I had a, a turn and I started playing and I had some successes at it. And mm. after I started figuring it out, I was like, Oh, I like this. And I, I, so as an adult, I have enjoyed not baseball, but softball. Um, but it was, uh, but it, it, there was something de- I think developmentally at the time that was just not, uh, was not happening for me. Mm. Um, uh, when did you get started here in Fremont? Like, what was what was it that brought you here? And did you jump right into the Fremont Soccer Club, or how, how did how did you transition into into uh, what you're doing now? So I got here by accident. Oh, so, yeah, okay. It was not you took a, specifically. Took a right when you should have taken a left. <laughs> close, but it was. Uh, I was in college at the time, and this was back before you really used computers for anything, right? Right. I'm yeah. not old, actually. I'm only 39, but it was, it I was, was still say, I think we were probably <laughs> in college around the same time because we didn't do these cool <laughs> computers for a whole lot of... Yeah. But uh, it was still mostly when you did applications, yep. still paper form up on the post. So uh, this company come around and they were looking for summer coaches. So because I was um, studying sports coach at the time... Was, where, where did you go to college, if you don't mind me asking? It was similar to what you did do over here now with junior college to, to four-year college. So okay. I did two years at Penn Code College okay. to then finish up with another three years to do a dissertation as well and um, what was UIC okay. um, which is Cardiff University now Cardiff Met okay. but more recently I went back and did my masters in football coaching Okay. Um, and that was a University of South Wales okay. so all my education has come through Wales Okay. Well. very cool but, um, but yeah to get here though I um, they come around asking we need coaches and I was like yeah God, I'm doing a couple of my mates in the class were, yeah, go on, let's do this. It's great, be a holiday. And we get paid to go out. Never been to America. And so I fill out the form, get home, put it in the post box. And I don't really think about it. Next day, check, do you guys do your applications? Oh, no, I've, I've done it. I just got to send. Ah, oh, cool, cool, cool. Don't think of anything about it. So I get my letter back and then from the company saying, oh, you've been selected. Uh, we're for the company and it's going to be San Jose. I had no idea what San Jose was then. <laughs> And someone kept telling me the song, Do You Know the Way to San Jose? Right, and yeah. I still had no idea. So I was like, all right, this is cool. It's California, though, so it must be good. And cool, yeah. Again, being a naive Welshman, thinking everything is palm trees and beach. California's <laughs> massive. So anyway, I go back into college the next day, and I'm like, oh, boys, are we all going to San Jose, or where are you going? Turns out none of the others applied. They never fill out their application. Oh, my word. So being fairly shy at the time as well, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to a different country on my own. I'm 19. This is nuts. Wow. So I come over, did the first year with it. Um, absolutely loved it. Still got, so you'd be with a host family for the week. Okay. Coach on a camp, uh, soccer. So I still got good good friends with one family for my fifth week in our very first year. Wow. So we stay in touch. It's crazy because they had three daughters. Okay. They've all now got kids, which is Wow. wild because wow. when we went there I think they were what, two five and or two four and seven <laughs> and now they're married with kids but, wow so that's where I come over to do the camps I'd been doing the camps for five years 
Um, seeing there was an opportunity with another company which would put you into club placements. So I reached out to them, got hired, didn't, again, had no idea where I was going. And then I was told, oh, you go into going to Fremont. Wow. So um, ended wow. up here in 2009, and I've been here since. You were doing this uh, year after year. Um, was there something uh, that was significant for you as a coach to adjust to when you came to Fremont and became uh, a coach for a longer period of time? Oh, definitely. So as far as the culture side of it goes, it's quite a big difference in culture between the US and the UK. It's, yeah, yeah. I think because we both speak predominantly English, you think, it's just, <laughs> and because we take all of your TV shows and we're basically <laughs> six months behind the US, people think there's not much for a cultural difference, but we actually do a trip every two years okay. to the UK, okay. not for exposure. For the culture. The culture, yeah. the football culture. Yeah. But no, so when I came over, the biggest thing was food. The amount of food, the different huh. kinds of food huh. was amazing. <laughs> the Taco Bell for us at the time came over was, was like a, a top-end restaurant. And the malls, the, how cheap the clothes were. Yeah. So always come over, we'd stock up on yeah. Abercrombie, oh, that's Hollister, all the surf gear. <laughs> and it was like just this rotation of every car getting yeah. new sizes. And yeah. So culturally... A lot different. It was a lot Everything's different. Everything's bigger. Yeah. To now when I go home, most of our most of our houses back home are bungalows, especially in the town I'm from. They're just one-story little bungalows. And the roads are tiny. So for one lane outside is basically what we have for two lanes in opposite yeah. direction. Yeah. So I walk down the street feeling like a giant. <laughs> it's, it's incredible because I'm only five foot nine anyway. Right, right. I walk through there. I feel like I'm, I'm massive because yeah. I'm bigger than the yeah. houses. And, yeah. So it's, it's weird. It only lasts for a couple of hours, but um, <laughs> that's the one big difference between the two coming yeah. back before. But as far as the coaching, I hadn't done much football coaching in the UK. Okay. So I was, because I'd taken a break from playing because of that leap into men's football, I focused more on martial arts, karate. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I've been doing that since I was about eight as well. So at this time, um, that's black, black belt, excuse me, second down, the instructors had started to give me a bit more freedom to do some coaching within there as well. So when they would take was well, beginners or the higher level belts, I would go with the other group. So I would do more kind of instructing with them. So my early coaching was more instructional rather mm -hmm. than more modern methodologies. And so to come over and then in the summer camps was great and it was all fun, fun games. You're Austin Powers for one game, you're Bugs Bunny another game. <laughs> So when I came here, it was more, no, this is proper, proper soccer now. So I remember going to my very first session and I was just stuck. And it's happened, it happened when I did my first oh, camp. I froze and the girl I was working with come over and went, just, just come over with me, I'll, I'll sort you out. So it took me a day or two because it is totally different from huh. when you do your interview sessions. And you can learn everything that you want. When I was in college, with the football, but because all of my actual experience was instructing, huh. it was totally different to coaching. Wow! So when I came here, expectations for different sessions. So I, I did struggle for the first, I'd say for the first two, three months, I didn't like it because it was, it was so different. Yeah. I struggled to adapt. Huh. I was so used to being able to go to the gym every day. I'd, making my own meals, but now I'm living with the host family. And I was through 
they couldn't find the host family for a while. Huh. So I was through different families, all lovely people, but I never had that consistency with it. So for the first three months, I was struggling at my job, not having the gym as my kind of release to get to, not knowing anyone. So I didn't know anyone at all, not even the people yeah. I worked with. Yeah, It was really daunting. So it took me about three months, but I've, again, from just growing up in a small town where everyone's a plumber or electrician yeah you have that bit of graft about you where it's my dad was gone before i woke up come yeah. home after tea muddy stinking because he was a plumber yeah. so i learned that thankfully through him that you know time is going to be difficult mm. you need to graft get through it and work at it and now i'm yeah. running it somehow wow that's crazy <laughs> uh, the parents are they have their kids in the club for a purpose mm. Um, and I think that they may not even know what that purpose is entirely. They might have a few primary ideas that, you know, I want my kid to benefit from this or, you know, whether it's just the experience, um, whether it's just learning them, helping them to be physically active, mm -hmm. develop physically, or it could be even beyond that. You know, I want my kid to be successful. This could be a scholarship thing for him down the road or her. Um, I, and I'm just wondering, so, so, but, but in some sense, I think it's important for those, um, those two trains, if you will, or those two avenues to come, to come together. Um, 100%. like the, the, the parents need to know why you are there. They mm. need to know why you're coaching and what you're looking for because they feel that sports is good for their child for some reason. And they may not know why they may have an idea. You have a better idea as to what this particular sport what soccer might do to benefit their child but if you never have that conversation then those things are never going to get communicated and never get said so i can totally see why it's a benefit um to be able to get to know your parents and to be able to spend time with them as well as the kids mm. so, so yeah you'll you, you nailed it then as well you, you generally have three reasons why kids will play right it's for fun it's to be social or it's to improve mm. and you can have all three sure or you might just have the one yeah so it's important that as a club as well that you can accommodate for all those. So we do have different programs. We have grassroots. We have competitive, which is a dreadful name to have for it because it sets the wrong mindset huh. beginning. But I can't change that on my own. That's a national thing. That needs to yeah, I was going to say, everyone's using it. Um, which, yeah, I can totally see that. Because it, it already takes you from development. to when, when you think the word competitive, you think, I'm going to go win. Huh. I swear it's like the yeah. direction it pulls you in. Yeah. Well, competing can also be framed as just being better every day. That's right. Competing with yourself. That's right. So I wish they would take that word away from it. Huh. But anyway, we we have that we have that pathway. We have the grassroots pathway, so we can try and accommodate for everyone. We have the pathway in the middle of what's our training pool. So some players are, and we we run different to a lot of clubs in certain in certain ways, very similar to others. But we don't believe in cutting kids. We don't believe in tryouts at young ages. It's wrong. Every kid should be given the opportunity. How you tell a nine or a ten-year-old that you're not good enough to play the sport you want to play and have the opportunity to be coached, I think is it's just so detrimental huh. to long-term recreational mm. um, participation. So we select every player as long as you have a space for them. And then even when they get older, you do get late developers. You get kids who come in late. So if they're not at the rate of development of the teams but they don't want to go in grassroots because they like to be coached, well, we have a training pool. So you won't be on the team, but you're going to follow the same curriculum mm. with other players of similar kind of objectives of wanting to be better to play on a team. 
So we try and balance all three of those. And and you're right, sometimes the parents aren't aligned with what the child wants. They're not quite aligned with what the club is trying to achieve. And then there's a great quote we use within our presentation of the parents about how everyone's nose is need to be pointing in the same direction. Mm. Because if we're competing and fighting against each other, we won't get anywhere. That's great. So I always say that if you've got a bear chase and you've got three doors, there's three of you and you're all holding a piece of rope, if you run to three different doors, that bear's getting you. You right. all need to be able to go on the same pathway. That's great. So in order for us to be able to do that, it stems and it goes a lot, lot deeper. To first, we need an identity. So what's our mission, our vision, our purpose? And why do we want to be a certain way? Then we've got to look, and that's just the cultural side of it. Then you look at the football side. Well, how can we take those values and beliefs and now and behaviors and put it into an actual football framework and structure? Mm. We've then got to look at what the potential endpoint is. And because there isn't a Fremont MLS franchise team right. where around the world that would support the youth program, yeah. here you've got youth programs trying to prop up that adult game mm. it's upside down yeah. so we've got to think well they could go to any college they could go to any MLS USL club if they're at that level so we've had to put together a pathway which is going to make them and the Dutch call it a 360 player mm. so they're good at all different things not one specific style we've then got to find a style of play so kids can learn through it mm. And we've also then got to find the way in which we teach them. So what's the learning theory that goes behind it? So all of that's got to be aligned. And then we've got to get the buy-in from the parents. Hmm. So my job is to try and educate support parents on why we do it, why it works. Because it's a process, you don't see those short-term outcomes, you've got to be very patient. Yeah, That's difficult in today's modern culture Yeah, to be patient, to wait, to work to what we want. So that's a struggle. Hmm. But... It's my job trying to educate about why it's a good pathway to go now. So yeah, it's I can't even see one question. That's great. I've gone about no, this is amazing. Eight different I love parts. It. So it's I love it. We've had to take Fremont as a community. We've had to take potential destinations of players, age appropriate pathways, different methodologies, and also the theory and science of actual learning. Yeah. To align it all so it fits. Yep. So then players get the best opportunity. I, I feel like I've been trying to insulate myself from becoming that competitive parent. You know, my, my son is involved in sports. Um, but I know of some parents who are like, if I get my kid in the right soccer club or in the right sports club, then ultimately that's gonna it's going to raise yeah. their chances of being able to succeed at a collegiate level or at, you know, or go, go beyond. I feel for parents, I really do, because it's, there is so much noise and there are so many promises being made to parents. And if you look at the market, and again, it's, I don't like it. It's a business. It's not a development model as a culture. It's a business model. Yeah. So it's about getting numbers in through the door. So if you have a club and you go, we're the biggest club in the Bay Area, for a parent, you're thinking, whoa, i got to be there. That's right. FOMO kicks in. But what is going on there? Yeah. What is the challenge these clubs what are you doing for my channel yeah. and not just what but why there's not enough of the why mm. and that's what's got to change explain to parents why you're doing certain things because if any club in any sport says to you give me a six-year-old because i'll get them in college that's a flat-out lie because mm. no one knows mm. 
because there's so many factors that go into it and which are out of your control. So mm. I really feel for parents and that's why I actually do enjoy and I had an email exchange back for the parent recently and and I and it sounded a little bit confrontational to begin with, but I made sure to, to say, look, I'm loving this because yeah. this is engaging. That's we, right. We completely disagree. Yeah. But I love the fact that I can hear your point of view, see where that's come from. Yep. This dad was next to me and he was going, I can even talk to his wife. What's wrong with him? Why oh, he sucks at this. He's so bad. And I was thinking, man, this... And he kept going, this isn't real soccer. And I was thinking, it's because they're three. There's a lot of FOMO going around. Yeah. Especially social media, get your kid on there. Yeah. There's a lot of, well, this doesn't look like what I've been told looks traditionally. Bryce Stan, I love it. Because yeah. the game they were playing was they were holding a disc and they were swimmers in the sea hmm. and they were using their disc to swim around. And when they seen the shark, you throw the disc before you jump on it. It's not a ball in sight. Yeah. But for a three-year-old, it's perfect. Yeah. He's learning exactly to right. throw, yeah. jump, kick, crawl. Yeah. They get the balls out towards the end as well and throw different activities. But that is actually perfect for what they need. Huh. But because it doesn't look like Barcelona on the weekend, yeah, we do have this view of this isn't right. Hmm. So that's, wow. again, that's a long way to come around saying I, I do actually enjoy that's talking great. to parents because the more we can support and educate, the better is for the kids at the end of the day. That's great. What would I expect to see if I were to come out and see a game or to come out and watch uh, practices? How many teams, ages, what range range are we working with and all that? Oh, another loaded question. <laughs> I got a 61-page presentation if you're off that one. But it's uh, at different levels. So, um, yeah, so with our, with our U4s, U6s, okay. it's those um, fundamental movement skills, running, jumping, story time telling, a little bit of the ball, they're not going to learn football in that yeah. 45 minutes. They're nice. It's not age appropriate. It's not part of their developmental phases as a human being either. When they get to U7, U8, we've tried to recreate more of a street soccer, excuse me, street soccer environment. Hmm. So playing 3v3s, 4v4s max. And the reason being is the sport will teach itself. Huh. One of the best ways for deeper learning is through trying it, surfing. You take the board out in the ocean, you fall loads, you get pummel loads. Yeah. If you do ever figure it out, you get to stand up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still can't, but yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. a whole club is really based on a play philosophy of trying to take not the coach out of it because that becomes a dereliction of duty, really. It's it's negligence of the coach. Yeah. You've got to know it's a very difficult skill to do of how to allow the kids to play without becoming overbearing. So yeah. athlete centered environments. So what you'll see within our competitive program then is all the activities are based around the play. So you don't see drills of lines of kid, kids kicking a ball once, five minutes later, they might get a <laughs> kick again. It's very much movement-orientated, yeah. largely because you need to know the time and the space, really. It's great if you can perform an isolated action, but if you don't know how to get into positions or move into those and get into those moments, yeah. the action's irrelevant. Yeah. So you need to have a balance to the both, but all the activities are, are play-orientated. To go a little bit deeper into the side of it, what you can expect to see at a field, or what we're aiming towards. When you play 7v7, we have a game model, or we have a game model for the entire club. We have a way of play for every phase. So at 7v7, we're looking for kids to work with each other in their own half field. When they get to the 9v9s, we open up a little bit more 
so now might be a bit more specific with in this area 1v1 but this area try and um, create overloads then when you get to 11v11 it starts progressing a little bit further again so when you get to our u19s it's a full-size game model of intricate this is what you do here this is what you do there huh. but the whole pathway though is based on play empowering the kids to be decision makers there's lots of research which shows kids need to experience to learn and not be told what to do because they will figure it out but it takes patience yeah, yeah it's about you the players yeah and again this is where my job gets harder with the parents right we don't like that as adults we like control yeah we want to know that we have control over everything that we can because it's important right because when yeah. we fail as adults we lose a job or a home or something far more significant when you don't succeed as a child it's just a speed bump that's right that's great man i'm i'm uh i'm taking notes in my mind here because uh i need to learn these things as a parent I look at my life and I realize there's things that I maybe could have done if I had pursued a, a certain path. Hmm. And um, I maybe at moments I wish I could go back and change that, you know, make that make that change so that I could have been more quote unquote successful in the long run hmm. in that particular field. And I kind of want to make those changes earlier on for my son so that he doesn't experience maybe the same. Um, loss that I feel as an adult but then when I look at it I'm like no I don't regret anything as yeah. a child I don't remember I don't regret the the choices um that I made I think that um there is something about just the experience of of playing yeah. without a, without the intervention just enjoying the moments and even working through the the calls on the penalties you know you <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it develops yeah. communication and, yeah. and uh, relational confrontation. Uh, yeah. to manage confrontation. That's Definitely right. That. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you guys have year-round programs, or is it a certain season, or how? When when uh, when it when can uh, kids get uh, plugged into this? Yeah, it's again both. So it's for grassroots. It's seasonal. So okay. it's fall and spring, summer camps, obviously in the summer, um, and then for our competitive program, it's year-round. Okay. One thing we do is on a Thursday, we play multi-sport. So what we do is we have field hockey, huh. touch rugby. Okay. One kid was playing touch rugby, and he he quit the club to go play rugby. <laughs> and I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. That's awesome. Yeah. The objective really should be for all sports programs is huh. as many kids for as long as possible. Huh. That's going to happen with all kinds of health issues. Yeah. Whether it's physical health issues, um, mental health issues. Yeah. We are year-round. Um, there obviously there's opportunities to, to leave, to go try the sports. something we really do believe in. Very good. Are there any uh, – so do you have, like, your um, your tryouts and stuff, or what, when is that, what is that? So we do, again, a little bit different. So for grassroots, it's just registration. Okay. So the spring starts in mid-March. Okay. So that registration is actually open now. So that goes from our U4s up to U14s. Okay. For the competitive club program, <laughs> I'm trying to wedge club in there. Notice that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> trying right. to trying to influence your That's through right. the podcast. That's right. Uh, for competitive, it's you have May, which is the month. There's two specific month, weeks you're allowed to do it within. Okay. Um, uh, how many kids do you have uh, playing right now for you guys? So right now it's it fluctuates between four thirty, four sixty. Okay. With the competitive program. Wow. I know that sounds like a big fluctuation yeah. but you do have people biggest challenge we have is people leaving the area because mm -hmm. 
just yeah. cost of living. It's, so yeah, it's, it's transient area. People come in and come out for jobs or whatever. Depending yeah. on what um, time of the school year, the school district's pretty intense. Yes. So the yeah. academic side of it, we don't want to be one of those clubs which has thousands of kids because all you're doing is if you're trying to create this big business of thousands of kids we've probably got kids who could have more playing opportunities at another club that's right where they're going to see more game time so it's that's right i love it so if people want to find out more uh you have a website yeah our website's uh fremontyouthsoccer.com okay and then i'm useless with social media <laughs> I, i'm like a caveman but we do have a facebook and instagram okay. page okay i think those are fremont youth soccer as well or fremont YSC. yeah but all those links are on our website. Yeah, too, and we'll make sure that. that all the links for all of the things that you said and anything that people can uh, use to find you will be on our show notes for this podcast as well. I'll get so a younger can... staff member who understands it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Di, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was really great. I'm excited to be able to share this conversation uh, with the people here in Fremont. And uh, it's it's going to be one that I'm going to go back and listen to myself because I, I feel like it was – just really, truly beneficial for me as well. So thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having this. me. We yeah. enjoyed it. The first yeah. pod, so. so uh, <laughs> there you go. We enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I don't think it should be your last because I think you have a lot of great things to share. So I think. Uh, it's the dodgy accent that is. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Cheers, man. This episode was hosted and produced by Ricky B. I'm Gary Williams. Andrew Cavett is the editor. Scheduling and pre-interviews by Sarah S. Your reviews help other people find this podcast. If you would, please leave a review on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe wherever it is that you listen so you don't miss an episode. You can find everything we make, the podcast, and all of our social media links at thefremontpodcast.com. Join us next week on The Fremont Podcast. This is a Muggins Media Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Fremont Podcast. If you are an individual or a business that would like to be a sponsor partner on the podcast, please reach out at thefremontpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website, thefremontpodcast.com and you can reach out to us through our contact form. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and thank you for your support.